Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm Bruce McCurdy of the Evidence Journal's Cult of Hockey. And tonight I welcome a very special guest, special to me for sure, my son, Kevin McCurdy. And by way of explanation, I'll say this is family weekend at the Cult of Hockey. We have uh, my usual uh, companion, uh, David Staples, is off in uh, uh, Vermilion coaching his daughter in a hockey tournament. Uh, our backup um, podcaster, Kurt Levins, uh, and his son are in Saskatchewan visiting his dad. So you got three generations of Levins there. And our emergency backup guest podcaster, Ira Cooper, uh, is who lives in Calgary, is up here in Edmonton visiting his dad. So I'm decided, given the options available and the fact that Kevin had a chance to actually attend tonight's game and uh, sit in the Sportsnet club seats, which I'm going to ask him about momentarily, uh, that uh, he would have some uh, insights uh, of, uh, of uh, what, uh, what things were like in the building tonight and things that he observed as well. So welcome, Kevin. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Mm-hmm. So... You were actually in uh, Sportsnet. Uh, what's the name of the section again? The I was in the Sportsnet club, club actually, mm-hmm. uh, on behalf of my company, and it was uh, nice. a pretty, pretty fabulous experience all the way around. The seating's good. The visibility is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very good spot to be in for uh, observing the game. End zone seats, my favorite. And uh, sitting sitting behind the Oilers' defensive end, so you got to see some of the excitement around Mikko Koskinen's net tonight. So uh, uh, before we get to the good things, I want to ask you about one specific thing that you would have experienced in, in the building, even as we watching on TV. We never get to see these things, which is the welcome back to former Oilers when they make a return to Edmonton that they always celebrate during the first TV timeout. So, of course, watching on TV, we're seeing commercials, but you were in the building. How uh, how was Ethan received uh, by the fans when that happened? Uh, I would say the standing ovation said everything that needs to be said about uh, right. Mr. Bear's return to the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of predicted that he would uh, be very warmly received and it was uh, they did show like a little tiny clip of it on TV a little bit later of just the the fans reacting and he and his acknowledgement and uh, kind of sad to see him go I was at the time but uh, the least you can do is uh, and any of these players that spend a amount of time here is when they do come back to uh, to acknowledge their efforts on behalf of the home team and uh, wish them the best going forward, as it seems uh, uh, we all do for uh, Ethan Bear. He plays on a pretty good hockey team too, eh, Carolina Hurricanes? Yeah, they were definitely the better team tonight, I'd say. Um, mm-hmm. There was some... Uh, it wasn't a very strong game for the Oilers and the goaltending for... Carolina was exceptional, and Ajo was also uh, exceptional. So it uh, mm-hmm. the odds are stacked against the Oilers tonight for sure, I think. All right. Well, we're going to go with our usual format tonight uh, of two good things, two bad things, and two numbers. Uh, and as almost always, we'll start off with the good thing. Uh, so, Kevin, uh, what was the good thing in your eyes in this game? 
Uh, the good thing in the in my eyes this game was um, the play of thirteen. Yes, uh, Jesse Pugliarvi. Sorry, I had I had made about a dozen or more than a dozen notes over the course of the game, and most of them contained Jesse's name at some point or another. Um, he took a lot of abuse tonight. He made some really brilliant plays. Uh, overall, he seemed to be there to uh, to play to win, and it showed every he touched the puck in a lot of very useful and structural ways to the game this evening yeah he was uh, he was all around it not only touching the puck but uh, uh winning physical battles uh i was scoring uh uh grade a shots uh for the cult tonight in david's absence and i had uh as a final count, 15 to 14, uh, Carolina for Edmonton with the Oilers getting a few late to close the gap. But I had uh, Yesopoliarvi involved in nine of Edmonton's chances. Four of those were one battles uh, where he just got involved. He was one of the Oilers who matched up physically. I thought Carolina played a heavy, mature game tonight, and they really defended their slot with... Uh, uh, with heavy sticks and and, uh, uh, and and getting their bodies in the way, and Yus uh, uh, was a big boy, and he was uh, he was taking it and giving it back in his own, and he had four-one uh, uh, battles, a goalie screen, uh, a, a shot of his own. Uh, best of all was the uh, terrific headman pass he made to Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the Oilers' goal, where the puck came to him. Uh, just at the Oilers' blue line, and he looked up and bang, snapped off the pass and caught Nuge sneaking in behind the Carolina defense for a partial breakaway and a and a great shot. But uh, uh, Pugliarvi, uh, he's effective in many different areas of the ice, and he, he seems to be gaining more and more um, uh, confidence in his ability to to be a difference maker and to do it in his own on his own terms, which is uh, uh, not just I mean, he's got skill, but he's got more than skill. He's got a physicality and, and a gamesmanship to him that's uh, uh, really, uh, really enjoyable. The other, the other thing too about Pugliarvi's play is uh, he, he not only is he generating chances offensively, but he was also generating chances to to draw penalties tonight. Uh, it counted no less than three opportunities that were absolutely. Uh, should have been called as penalties. He got clobbered in the slot twice and once more where I believe he got smashed in the back and the boards. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it was it was unfortunate that those didn't get converted into penalties, but there were real opportunities for those uh, for those to turn into penalties and subsequently power plays for the Oilers. Yeah, I counted four actually. And uh, but I saw the same thing as you did. I mean, uh, hey, now listeners, you know, this is my boy getting on the refs. Uh, but uh, I mean, there was one play, it was I thought a good penalty by Carolina, uh, and they would have been happy to take the penalty because it probably saved a goal. Where Evan Bouchard went in and jammed a shot on net, looked like the RB had uh, a clear shot at the rebound and a very good chance to cash, and the guy just chopped him down. Uh, just slashed him in the skates and sent uh, yes, uh, over tea kettle in the, in the slot and 
that was one of those ones. It's an automatic call and off to the box. And and you're the Carolina coach, and you say that's a penalty I don't mind taking. Well, if you're the Carolina coach, it's especially a penalty you don't mind not taking. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. That, was, uh, that one was pretty brutal. And, no, the, uh, yeah. the refing overall tonight was pretty one-sided. Um, there was, the, you know, the calls, the calls against the Oilers. You know, Cass's penalty was absolutely a penalty. Um, you know, this is the kind of thing when you're watching in person, like, yeah, he's going to the box for that before yeah. the, the the arm even goes in the air. And then the non-calls on the Oilers, you know, there there was, you know, as we talked about, three or four of those. And, and yes, the, the ones that uh, they did call were absolutely also penalties. There wasn't that they were uh, doing game management or anything like that at that point. But there was some real misses there that uh, the fans were upset about. Um, and I don't think the Oilers were particularly happy with either. Yeah, well, Devin Shore got buried into the boards in a similar manner as the, uh, I can't remember the, which guy it was that Cassian hit, but uh, uh, he consistently isn't always there in this league. But uh, anyway, ultimately it was two power plays each, uh, but uh, Carolina was able to score a goal and the Oilers power play could not convert. So it wound up being a, a disadvantage for the Oilers. Uh, let's move on to my good thing. And I, mine's kind of one of those uh, nebulous good things, uh, which is that it's a lot better to have a five-game losing streak in uh, d- December than it is to have one in May, like the Oilers did last year, when their only lengthy losing streak of the season involved losing their last game in the regular season, followed by four straight in the playoffs, gone by, season over. Uh, no real chance to correct. Whereas this year, they hit the skids early enough that there's obviously plenty of time left. They're still 16 and 10. They banked some points. Uh, it's discouraging how quickly they've kind of uh, wasted uh, the uh, uh, you know that bank of points where they've slid down and they're just now you know in a good contending position, but they're uh, they're nowhere close to being the cock of the walk, and it just disappeared fast. Uh, I will draw the comparison to 2016-17, which remains the bellwether season for Edmonton in the last 15 years since the Cup run in 06. And that year, they started off just like this year, 5-0. and They lost a game. They won a couple more. I think they ran the record to 9-3-1. and And then bang, 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 bang. They lost five in a row, all in regulation. They dropped to 9-8-1. And you think, well, they wasted that, that early advantage. But... They got the losing streak out of their system uh, without falling out of the race. And that season, they were able to turn it around, and they got stronger and stronger as the year went on. So hopefully that is the template for uh, what's going to happen in 21-22, as opposed to just ending the season on a horrible losing streak like we did last year. So it's not a very real good thing to be talking about the timing of a five-game losing streak, but that's about all I got tonight. Jesse Pugliari, for me, was the, the standout for Edmonton, and we can't both name the same good thing now, can we? No, I guess not. Um, the the play the, the play tonight, I think, was, um, was relatively uninspired uh, just as a whole, so I can see why you're having difficulties finding much good to say. Um, I think the boys are tired. 
for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is four games in a week and you know, that's not an excuse, but it's, that's also a real tough schedule. Um, you know, and keep in mind, everybody, my, my background is purely a, a passive casual watcher of hockey. I used to play minor hockey for as long as I was allowed to. Um, so, uh, not the one of the finer minds of the cult of hockey, more of the peanut gallery, but uh, uh, here to give uh, my opinion. And if you if it's wrong, you know that's what it is. But uh, the the boys need to put in a little bit more effort, and and uh, I think there's some uh, some real uh, obvious energy issues happening uh, in general. Well, that sets us up nicely for uh, your bad thing tonight. What did uh, what did you pick from the smorgasbord of bad things? To uh... <laughs> I was woefully unimpressed with Evan Bouchard's play tonight. Um, he was uh, very uninspired as far as his his play in general. Uh, very lackadaisical. Nah, he got stripped of the puck and key key moments uh, cost the Oilers a, the a goal. Um, uh, my opinion uh, also was he was back checking with Nurse uh, on the second goal, and this is the one that that cost them. And uh, there was some, I believe, some confusion as to how that back check was going to occur, and they let they let uh, let Carolina in and just take a shot that honestly they probably should have had better positioning on in general um and then he took a not a very um good penalty uh later in the game as well yeah on that goal uh, and the puck up by him at the offensive blue line and it seemed like yeah. he was slow reacting to it and that was not the only time i noticed that you know puck kind of getting away from him and him just being slow to react a couple other times in defensive zone didn't cost yeah, him on those 100. plays he well, got stripped in two. the defensive zone too, really mm-hmm. badly. The one time where he had a clear advantage into the corner, and he Carolina guy came up and just took it away from him. And um, delayed reaction, I think, is is one hundred percent accurate. Right. Yeah. Well, he doesn't play, and one of the things that the, has always been kind of a knock in the scouting reports, and you hear the coaches say, is that he needs to play with a little bit more urgency. And he does like to play the cool cucumber kind of game, and that on on the good nights that works real well. Uh, but some nights it doesn't uh, come across so well, and I would suggest tonight was one of those nights. He did have one one uh, um, very good chance at the offensive zone on his only shot of the night, but uh, wasn't a strong showing uh, overall by uh, uh, by Bouchard. So. Yeah, it, it's uh, it was definitely a tough night for mm-hmm. him. It was right. um, he was he entered my uh, my my radar of of players having a tough time pretty early, and he did not did not depart from that list throughout the entire game. Mm-hmm. Um, just just right. a tough showing in general. Uh, urgency is exactly the right word. He just he needs to. He needs to step it up. And the the speed and the intensity needs to come up. He's getting burned on plays that he shouldn't be getting burned on, and then when he does get burned, the the subsequent effort to to work at doing whatever he can to get back into that uh, you know commanding position is just not happening. Right on. Well, I'm going to pick for my bad thing tonight the game, the play of Kyle Yamamoto. 
who remains in the Edmonton's top six, even as he's uh, he's been struggling mightily. And tonight was another game of mighty struggles uh, for Yamamoto. He played 13 minutes and four seconds. Uh, in fact, he played 14 minutes, just over 14 minutes in all, uh, without so much as a shot attempt. Not only did he not have a shot attempt, the Oilers didn't have a single shot during his 14 minutes of even strength play. They were outshot 8-0 to zero, uh, with uh, Yamamoto on the ice. Uh, in this game, and uh, uh, he just seems lost out there. Like he, he was, you had to look hard to see him. There was a couple times he was battling away and losing the battle, but, you know, joining it. And there was other times where uh, there just, he just really didn't seem to have much of a presence going on out there. And, of course, he is a little guy, uh, but he can overcome that usually with his energy, with his, with his uh, intuition of the game. Uh, you know, with his uh, with his high battle level, but right now it seems like some of those attributes have deserted him, and uh, there's not a whole lot left uh, in his game at this point in time. I didn't see much in the way of inspired passes or anything. There just was no uh, no offense at all on uh, on his side of the ice when he was out there, and I don't know what the answer is, but uh, he's. Uh, uh, right now, he's uh, you know taking valuable ice time in the in the top six, and when you look at the list of six, he's clearly the one that's uh, uh, having the most trouble carrying his uh, carrying his weight in that in that role. So let's move on to numbers. Uh, Kevin, you've got a you've got a a number for us that's uh, kind of jumped off the event summary at us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were looking at the event summary, and one of the things I had said initially is it's just the Oilers were hitting well tonight for the mm-hmm. by and large. Uh, they were clearly out hitting the Canes from from start to finish. Uh, uh, and the number that I've picked is Nima Lainen's ten hits tonight, um, double digit uh, hit count. Uh, that's a lot of that's a lot of body being thrown around and. Uh, uh, he had some. There were there weren't just you know rubouts. There were some some real knockers in that game that he he was behind, and uh, it's pretty impressive to see. Yeah, yeah, he brings that big body, and he's been bringing it every night that he's been in the lineup. Uh, I, he played, I would say, quite far from a perfect game tonight, but uh, he brings the physicality and he brings it off. And uh, what I did notice tonight, early in the game was one time he went a little bit out of position to make a hit and he wound up the Oilers wound up getting outnumbered behind him. Yeah. And then a similar play happened on the power play goal. Uh that opened the scoring where, where he kind of aggressively went at the guy at the blue line and the the uh, odd man situation developed behind him. Uh but in terms of bringing the the straight uh physicality and and uh uh laying a uh, pounding on the other guys it's easy to see why Dave Tippett Likes him because he's been bringing that every night. That uh, he's uh, he's racking up the uh, hit counts, and as uh, as you say, Kevin, uh, uh, a number of them are uh, uh, you know where the the other guy, you know, he gets his pound of flesh. It's not just he's bumping the guy to finish the check yeah. and get a get a plus one in the hit column. He's thundering them down with uh, with uh, heavy body checks. So uh, he does bring an element that uh, 
in my mind, the Oilers need, but 10 hits, man, you do, do not see double digits in that column very often. He played uh, just under 15 minutes in this game, so that's uh, two hits every three minutes. That's, uh, that's uh, He'll have some bumps and bruises after this one. Uh, my number is five, and uh, it, it accounts actually twice. Uh, there were five Oiler forwards tonight who had zero shots on net. Uh, four of them had zero shot attempts, including the entire line. This is hard to do. Derek Ryan, Devin Shore, and Colton Sevier uh, that played uh, uh, the better part of 10 minutes, 8 to 10 minutes each at even strength. Zero shot attempts, all three of them. Zero shot attempts. Uh, we also had Yamamoto in that category. And Ryan McLeod, who tried a couple shots but didn't get him through and onto the goalie. And that's just too much nothing going on from uh, the bottom of the roster and the one top six guy. But also, this is now a homestand uh, where the Oilers have played four games and they scored a total of five goals. Five goals in four games. Uh, they still haven't shut out this year. I guess that's the good news. But uh, three times they were held to one. The other time they lost three to two. And, you know, earlier in the season, of the first 21 games Edmonton played, they scored five goals in 12 of those games. Five goals per game, 12 different games. Now it's taken a four-game homestand to muster their way all the way up to five measly goals. And it's just like the offense has just been raptured and disappeared from the team for now. They, game after game, it's all four games of the homestand, they've fallen behind 2 nothing. And each game they scored halfway through the second period to make 2-1, kind of make it interesting. Uh, but only in one game did they muster the tying goal. That was against Boston. And then, of course, they gave up the late winner in that game. And all the other games, they're basically chasing from the first period for the entire rest of the night. And it's uh, uh, counting the loss in Seattle now. The Oilers have played a uh, five-game losing streak, 300 minutes. Uh, they've been tied for 36 minutes and trailing for the other 264 minutes. Never had it's a not lead gonna once. Get it done. Never had a lead once in the five games. So uh, it's just the same old problem where not only are they giving up their first goal in the game, now they're giving up the first two goals in a game. Good luck with that. No, so, that's that's absolutely not going to get it done <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, it was it was apparent in the building tonight that it was a bit of a shooting gallery, um, especially sitting in the in the defensive end. Um, the overall, the shot generation by the Oilers, the slot presence is just not that good. Uh, and the mm -hmm. slot presence of Carolina is significantly better in the opposite direction. So both of those things really heavily stack the deck against the Oilers. Um, and even to your point about the top six, the top six overall, I mean, the play from everybody tonight was really underwhelming. Um, uh, like I said, Nuge and uh, and uh, Jesse Pugliarvi being sort of the lone exceptions that stuck out to me as uh, guys that were there to play. And, you know, McDavid made some room, some room and some nice opportunities. And but he he seemed muted by McDavid standards and Drysidel seemed muted by Drysidel standards. And um that's tough, man. You can't if you can't put the puck in the net and you can't also defend uh, the first period, then uh, you're behind the eight ball 10 times out of 10. 
Yeah. Well, part of that credit were due uh, Carolina's first D pairing of Jacob Slavin and uh, Ian Cole. I thought they were, they had terrific games, and they were they were. It's really hard to get get through them. They were like a forest of sticks and legs and uh, other various Absolutely. body parts. Uh, but uh, the Oilers, they made some poor decisions passing off when they should have shot uh, a few times. And then, you know, I mean, sure, once in a while that's going to work and, and uh, be a tap-in, but you need to execute more than five times in four games. So one last question for you, Kevin, uh, in terms of being in the barn. On TV, it just sounded like there was a few scattered boos as the clock wound down at the very end. How loud did that sound? Was that significant? It was significant. It was uh-huh. not. The, the the crowd was not happy. Mm-hmm. Um, the the refing also took about a similar level of, of distaste from the crowd at a couple of points during the game for some of those missed calls. But uh, right. the, fans, the fans definitely let their displeasure be known to the home team. Um on their way out of the building as several of them were on their way out of the building at the time. So it was, uh, I think that's a tough spot for the Oilers to be in. Uh, uh, it's hard to, to gain momentum when, it, when your fans have even started to decide that, uh, yeah, your play is not, your play is just not inspired. You're cutting it. Well, uh, it's kind of two two sides to that coin. I, one, one part of me doesn't mind the fans delivering the message that this wasn't good enough. And at the same time, you want the fans to be fully behind the team. So it's kind of trying to find a balance. But uh, I didn't totally hate the fact. Like, it didn't sound like there was 20, 18,000 and 25 people raining booze down on the players. But it sounded like there was a, you know, a, a Enough to be heard, let's put it that way. There wasn't 18,000 fans left in the building by the oh, time right. that that, <laughs> chair, that chair... uh Once that heard. awful 3-1 goal went in on a crappy bounce and the crappy subsequent misplay by Koskinen, um, which we didn't even talk about as a bad thing, but uh, once that went in, I could imagine there was a stampede for the exits at that moment in time. Uh, so. That was a, that was a really frustrating goal to watch. Um, it's hard to not give Koskinen at least part of the blame for that, but uh, that bounce was really unfortunate too. So you can't totally uh, tie an, an anchor around his ankles and throw him off a bridge. But uh, it's it was tough. Yeah, the Maple Leafs won a game tonight on a bounce very similar to that. It's funny how it works sometimes. Anyways, uh, I think we've. Uh, gone over it front to back as uh, as much as we need to and uh, uh, I do want to say thank you Kevin for uh, pinch hitting for David for Kurt and for Ira and at least uh, giving an alternate perspective to my own which the other alternative was fly solo and do a, a one voice podcast and it's always more fun to have a conversation about a hockey game and uh, I hope that uh uh, you and your wife were able to uh, enjoy the evening out, even with the less than perfect outcome. Absolutely. No, it was a great evening, and uh, thanks for having me. It's been uh, a pleasure being here, and hopefully the uh, the fans have enjoyed the opinion of the peanut gallery a little bit. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a fairly populous place, the peanut gallery in oil country, and thanks for representing it. And I also want to say thank you to you, the listener, for uh, listening. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of The Cult 
of Hockey Podcast.